page Reish Ayin Aleph 271, we did the introduction and the first Vad concerning his Bainanus last week, talking a little bit about the difference between Machshava and his Bainanus, um, fleshed out last week, Machshava being more abstract thought, being able to almost uh, separate, to, to divorce your thought process and the way that you think about things from something in the uh, in the here and now, even if you ultimately plug it back in, but it's more abstracted thought, um, kind of uh, thinking outside, even if you bring it back in, and his us being uh, almost like inside out, you know, being able to focus on a leaf, being able to focus on a process, and finding meaning in something in front of you, again, um, contemplation, but uh, reflection, uh, and, uh, and you know, that, that was the introduction, so go back and listen to that. But in any event, Vad Sheni, let's talk about this. Shnei Shrashim Markivim Milas Hizbainin, the idea of his Hizbonenos, Hizbonenos, Reishai and Aleph, second Vad. The idea of his Hizbonenos, where does the word come from? Binyin Ubina, right? When we talk about, talk about Chachma, usually we're talking about something from without. That might be knowledge, that might be the flash of an idea, Bina is something that builds. It takes, right, the, if, if you think about, uh, right, Bina works with an idea. It's maybe in Davar Mitoch Davar. The idea of Bina is a binion and Bina. So those two things are actually similar. They're similar, uh, similar ideas. But these two, binion and Bina, go together. They're the root of his bainus. One who deeply reflects, builds himself up through this bina with everything that, that surrounds him, and uh, we're going to flesh it out. It's a really very very interesting idea. Here We already discussed the idea that a person should deeply reflect on something, a tremendous amount of complexity, like a leaf. Now that a person, you looked at a leaf, the different colors, one side is smooth, one side is rough, there are different shades of green. The idea of almost like the veins within the leaf, the way that there's photosynthesis, just the incredible machinery that exists in, in the leaf and what you can kind of, uh, you know, you, know you, you can kind of appreciate over there and really have a, a, a tremendous, uh, a tremendous, you know, a tremendously elevating experience from that. But now we're going to take another step and say lift your eyes up based on a Pasuk Yishaya and see who created these taking it a step further and coming to appreciate HaKadosh Baruch Hu. so again on one hand we had when we talked a little bit more about let's say Machshava there are certain things where in a very abstracted sense a person can uh, think about you know, lofty thoughts, think about spirituality, appreciate HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and then look at the world and ultimately see, the, you know, design in life. Uh, over here, a person is starting off with what's in front of him, at things that might seemingly be mundane, and working inside out, coming to appreciate, uh, you know, all, all the details around him and, and becoming blown away starting with those things that are seemingly uh, seemingly the everyday, seemingly mundane, and now taking the next step and saying, look upwards. Looking at everything that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created, established. What is mankind that you should, uh, you know, remember him, mention him, or they should register? You lowered him, and you uh, crowned him with glory. 
So Tamshilayu b'maisi adecha, Kadosh Baruch Hu made man a ruler of all of his other handiwork. Kol shasa tachas raglav and placed everything under his feet. So what we have over here is is this uh, this almost opposite uh, these almost opposite ideas. On one hand, we see the, we see the neflayis habayru, we see the the unbelievable. I mean, the universe, the Milky Way, the stars. I, I mean, if you've ever had this experience, unless you're just very used to it, even on a tremendously low level, forget about like going to outer space or anything. Um, the idea of the idea of um, the the idea of when you fly in a plane almost and 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 you like you know as the plane is taking off and you see just like skyscrapers and it looks like an ant farm and you you, you just have this I I, uh, I I actually saw an article recently so probably a little unconventional but it was it was just like a little snippet and it was actually uh Havdil, okay but it was written by William Shatner okay right from Star Trek. Um, and he, he says, this is the way it was presented. I didn't like do any like you know real uh, research or diligence on this. He says, last year I had a life-changing experience at 90 years old. I went to space after decades of playing an iconic science fiction character who was exploring the universe. I thought I would experience a deep connection with the immensity around us, a deep call for endless exploration. I was absolutely wrong. The strongest feeling that dominated everything else by far was the deepest grief that I had ever experienced. I understood in the clearest possible way that we were living on a tiny oasis of life surrounded by an immensity of death. I didn't see infinite possibilities of worlds to explore, of adventures to have, of li- or living creatures to connect with. I saw the deepest darkness I could ever have imagined contrasting so starkly with the welcoming warmth of our nurturing home planet. This was an immensely powerful awakening for me. It filled me with sadness. I realized that we had spent decades if not centuries, being obsessed with looking away, with looking outside. I did my share in popularizing the idea that space was the final frontier, but I had to get to space to understand that Earth is and will stay our only home, and that we have been ravaging it, relentlessly making it uninhabitable. Now, leaving aside, like you know, all the you know the implications and. And all, all of the all, all of the other ideas that are interesting and sort of uh, you know sometimes you have to yeah you have to go to space to just find out you know you know that what you have is right in front of you, but 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 the uh, y- you know the interesting idea that how you can ultimately relate to your own now now if you you know relate to your own tachlis and purpose sort of you know he's saying that we we look and we see these immense things. That are that, that are all around us, and we're excited by it. And all of a sudden, when he sort of encountered that, um, number one, sort of like felt his own insignificance, and on the other hand, found that what he'd previously discounted, he found a tremendous amount of purpose in. It, it just like that contrast. So on one hand, we see this immense, you know, the the, the stars and and the wild frontier, and you know what he's saying over here is my energy So so. On one hand, we get excited by all of those things, and we think that we're, insi- we're we're insignificant. You know, you could explore it, but like, what else is there? And on the other hand, when you're able to focus on the tachlis of the world, and you're able to appreciate where you are, notwithstanding, or maybe even you know, not not even despite, but because of just really the immense nothingness. In other words, yeah. On one hand, it's overwhelming everything that Hashem created. On the other hand, like 
so what? At the end of the, the day, the only purpose, you know, what we just read, he was talking about in terms of an inhabitable earth. But, you know, once you enter spirituality into the picture, Hashem doesn't need any of this. The idea that only mankind can accomplish anything, the godless that we have is right here. So we see this contrast. On one hand, everything is insignificant compared to the, you know, the world at large. And on the other hand, the only place to find meaning, we are really, everything is under our control. The only meaning in the entire Bria is really, um, is really within the, you know, within the, the, the lens of spirituality and Tachlis and the fact that a Kaddish Baruch who created a world at all. Hashem didn't need to create, didn't, didn't need to create anything. Uh, and we see this, you know, we, we see this stark contrast. Says the Mechaber over here, When we see the stars, the universe, just the unbelievable magnitude of everything that HaKadosh Baruch Hu creates, You see, depending which way you're looking at it, the insignificance, the, the, the weakness, you know, just the small place of a human being as, you know, an organism, not, not much more than like a cockroach in a certain sense. What cosmic, you know, from, from a quantity perspective, what cosmic significance, you know, it's like I said in a plane, you're like in a flying tuna fish camp going through the air. Like what significance is there in any particular individual? We're just like a small speck. And on the other hand, you look through, uh, you look through Nefesh HaChayim, and you, you look at the idea that only mankind, through our bechira, through our attachment to our Kaddish Baruch Hu, through the way that Hashem runs the world, is able to impact, to give nachas to our Kaddish Baruch Hu, to give purpose to why Hashem created the world. And you see a tremendous amount of, you know, a tremendous amount of power. Everything is really under the control of human beings because we're the only things that can impact the Bria and that can give purpose to the world. So this is a way how a person can build themselves up. We can literally define, our, once we were able to take a step back and just look at the scope of the Bria, and through the lens of Tyra especially, right, then we can really build ourselves up. We can understand our own significance and insignificance, right, like the Medrash says. That's why Adam was created last. If he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, then Adam came on to the stage, uh, the, the world stage, with everything prepared for him to operate. And if Adam was created... Uh, you know, and if Adam's not doing what he's supposed to be doing, so then he was created last. If any, if anything, you know, he's the least significant. Other other animals are doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing, and Adam is the only one that's uh, that that's not if he's not using his bechira appropriately. A person that makes a bracha berchas achaydesh bezmano, it's as if we're makabel. We encounter the shechina. So now we have to say, you know, why? This idea of Kiddush HaChaydash, it sounds almost, it sounds almost like, uh, like, funny, we make such a big, su- such a big deal about it. What, what's going on with Kiddush HaChaydash? Uh, you know, we say that the Jews are considered like the moon, and the other nations are like the sun, and the, the lunar cycle, and sun, but, but like, uh, Tachlis, Tachlis, what, what are we talking about? Sorry, I received a dayam. It would be enough if we could only be makabel, only encounter, only receive, uh, so to speak, Hakadosh Baruch Hu one time per month. So what is this? We're talking about kiddush hachaydash. What is going on that we're getting so excited about? Okay, the moon has a cycle. 
Okay, it's part of the breeze. Is it any different than anything else that, that like waxes and wanes? What's the message that we're getting? Hariel Arif, Soy Perak Dal Brachas, Mavarzais. Hakadish Baruchu, Afal Pishaino Nir Laayan. Hakadish Baruchu, even though obviously there's no, uh, you know, we can't see Hakadish Baruchu. Nirhu Alide Gvuraisa Vinifloisav. Hakadish Baruchu is perceived through the encounter we have with the world. I used this example one time. It's not my example, um, and I don't even remember exactly in what context it was used, but um, the same idea is almost like looking outside the window at the puddles to see if it's raining. So the example was is that if you look at a, there's something called a cloud chamber, um, and if I'm misstating it, it doesn't make a difference. The point is true, even if the example's not, uh, that if you have certain, like, I don't know, subatomic particles, whatever it is, something that's not that's not otherwise measurable. It's not something that you can even discuss. So the way that you, how do you measure it? How do you deal with it? It's something that's not measurable. You have you have no you have no ischabas with it. What you do is create some sort of like you know a sort of like a, a cloud. You create something you know like the surface of the water to see if it's raining. And even though you can't perceive these particles, what you can do is you can perceive the effect that they have on something else. And based on the effect that they have on something else, then you can then you can at least learn something about. Them away that about the way that they react, interact, you know, the heat, the force, whatever exactly it is. So Enochanami, we can't, we, we have no shaykhs to HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself, you know, the Ein Sof, or even, you know, may, more than the Ein Sof, maybe you can't even talk about HaKadosh Baruch Hu as the Ein Sof, right, the, the, the Bala Ratzon, we have no idea. The only thing that we know about Hashem is how He interacts with us, which is what's relevant as far as we're concerned for Avoda. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu is near it through His Gvurais and Neflais. Whatever HaKadosh Baruch Hu does ultimately in this world, and the world is created for man, and there's an unbelievable Neflais Habayrei, that's how we relate to Hashem. Hashem is hidden. The God of the Jews is the Savior. Meaning, even though HaKadosh Baruch Hu is hidden, through the saving, that's how HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Megala and, and how, how we're Makar Hashem. Right? We were just talking about, really in the context of of, uh, of Hanukkah, but I, I was just making a point that, um, you know, the, the more fine, I think it's a true point, so whether it's exact shot or not is, is uh, you know, beside. When we think about the year, so the more subtle, the, the more subtle, the more in tune you are, the less that you need outside of the realm of the everyday, you know, things in the everyday, to find Vekas in, you know, in, in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So at the very start of the year, when Halolo of the Avodah Halolo of the Avodah we didn't have mitzvahs, we didn't have Shabbos, we didn't have kosher, we didn't have anything. So the way that we relate to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is through 100% Nisim, the Ten Makis, right, it's Arusa, Dila'ela, everything is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hashem gave us a couple of mitzvahs, so we were Zaycha. However exactly you understand that, but the bottom line is, is that we don't otherwise have the kalim within us to relate to Hashem in the Brio. We need Hakadosh Baruch Hu. All bets are off. We need we need Makis, and through the Makis we can understand that that if if uh, if fire and water can go together, then fire on its own and water on its own also came from Hakadosh Baruch Hu. But the way that we understand that is through miracle. You go through the entire cycle of a year until you get really to the holiday. That uh, that I think it says the Gemara says is the holiday that's going to last after Yimus Hamashiach, which is Purim. When there's no miracles, outright miracles, there's patterns, right? There's patterns. If you, the, 
Gemara, it says at the end that if you want the, uh, you know, the history, you go look in the Divrei Yomim of Parasumadai. You go look in the Chronicles. But we have, you know, the didactic view of history, I think they call it, right? In other words, we, 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 view, we, we view history through the lens of Hashkoch Pratis, of understanding, seeing the patterns, and seeing Yad Hashem. And therefore, something that might seem to be somewhat, you know, kind of benign, you know, storytelling, we're able to get as much of a Hisairus by the end of the year. After we appreciate that Hashem runs the world, we can have total Dveikus in in Purim. The reason that I mentioned it was because um, it was my thought on, again, just the way that I related to the, uh, I was thinking about it in the context of the eighth day of Hanukkah, you know, that perhaps you could say if the oil burnt uh, eight days, it was one day of oil, but it burnt eight days. So many different answers how that occurred, but one of the ways that you could think about it is that means that the first, if, if you drop down as, you know, as an alien into the world in the first seven days, then you would see oil burning for a full day and the oil doesn't go down. But if you drop down on the eighth day of Hanukkah and you took a snapshot, then the oil was burning and then it burnt up because then on the ninth day they had to burn new oil. So the truth is, is that there's not that much of a difference between the eighth day of Hanukkah and the ninth day of Hanukkah, right? The eighth day... No, the ninth. Well, uh, meaning every other day that came after that. The god, the godless of the eighth day of Hanukkah, perhaps, is just that it's you're able to find meaning in the oil burning and it burnt down. Some of the Bali Musr say that they, you know that they, they, the the godless why is the eighth day of Hanukkah instead of seven because the fact that fire burns at all. But in other words, the 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 idea we can all appreciate Takarish Baruch Hu through miracles, but you have to really develop yourself to be able to appreciate Advekus and Hakadosh Baruch Hu, the same God that lights the oil, lights the vinegar. In in order to appreciate the eighth day of Hanukkah, you you have to go through a full seven days, right? The, the truth is, is that in a certain sense, you know, it's like if you think about the seven days of Beratius, right? So the eighth day was just the first Sunday of the rest of your life. After seven days is a cycle, it's the week, it's the eighth day of Hanukkah is really day one of the rest of your life. Seven days is, you know, a full cycle. So back, back to what we're talking about over here. We, we can't really appreciate HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself. What we have to do is we have to find ways in terms of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's interaction with the Bria through Hashem's interaction and thoughtful interaction and interaction by design and bringing the world towards a particular purpose um, and advancing the world towards those goals both in an individual way, in a cloliistic way, seeing Yad Hashem in our lives. That's where we're Dovik in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You know, the Chovetz HaVavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavav
So he says, though, this though, on a gvuras vineflos, what's the greatest gvura? But, but in, in a certain sense, you know what the greatest gvuras are? The greatest gvuras are is Elokei Yisrael Moshiach. When you see Hashem in your life, Hashem is saving you. Hashem is guiding the Jews through uh, through the entire through the entire process. That the entire bria is like dancing around the Jews that don't have their own land and don't have their own language. Rav David Gottlieb wrote a book called uh, Three Reasons to Believe." I think. So he, uh, I. I don't. Uh, it's it's not 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 100 new anymore, but I, from what I remember, I don't even remember if I read the whole book. Part of what he says is, um, you know, you, you you can't necessarily prove anything. Um, there's always going to be a 0.1 percent chance that you know something happened. And it, it, there's no real 100 percent proofs. But what you can do is you can take empirical evidence and you know you prove what what what's what's a reason to believe. What you need a reason to believe in anything based on you know the way things are. And he said just the exist. One of the things that he says is that the existence of the Jewish people does not fit any model within this within this bria. That is a reason that as a rational person you have to take a step back and look at the Jewish people and and say you know what's going on here. Well, what what is this anomaly and fit it into an understanding and a framework that makes sense. So here too, this idea of the moon waxing and waning, the idea of cycles, the idea of something going down and coming up, this idea is also a giloy. It causes us to focus on HaKadosh Baruch Hu's involvement with the world. The idea is, you know, I've, I've seen before that Shana, the solar year, Shana means a year, but it also means to repeat, right? Chodesh, but it's Mechadesh, it's renewal. It's something that, that uh, you know, that, that it's a cycle of the way that we relate to, to the Bria. And it's the way that HaKadosh Baruch relates to the Jews, right? In other words, it's not just that it's on a cycle with its own, with sort of like repetitive coming back around. It's something that has cycles of, of renewal and relating to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Mechadesh no No two months are just like a, a repetition of the same uh, the same thing. Mawa Hevel means Rilchas Hashemesh, What's the difference between the sun shining every morning and the renewal of the moon? That's coming from Gemara and Rosh Hashanah. The moon disappears. By the way, interestingly, the moon is invisible. The, the full moon on the 15th of the month, the moon is invisible on Rosh Hashanah. So the truth is, is that when Adam Arishon came onto the world, the moon was invisible. Just something to think about. I don't know the relevance of that. But the idea is that the sun shines every day. So it's true. There's a period of nighttime when the, when the world is not facing the sun. But the, the sun is, it's never daytime with the invisible sun. Whereas the moon has a period where the moon is not visible. And this idea of the cycle and the moon ultimately being invisible and then having a renewal is something that is able to focus a person, if they're a thinking person, is able to focus uh, a person on HaKadosh Baruch Hu's involvement with the world. This phenomenon can cause a person to recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Sometimes it's revealed, sometimes it's not revealed, but it's always there, right? Even when you think that things are the darkest, ultimately it's only preparation for the light to come out. There's a lot of things that you can do um, that you can do with this idea. And HaKarazu Hihi Hakbalas Pnei 
Now, Kvar Kosev Maran Rasum Chazisal Kilo Kemosh Anu Chayshvin Shebeberch Salvan Mekabel Shchina. People think I'm going to say the bracha. I'm saying a bracha about the moon, and that's Kabbalat Pnei Shchina, and I get a pat on the back. Kahu, no. His Bainus Hachadshus Sheroya Bechidish Halavanu Maven Mibara Ela. The idea that our Kaddish Baruch Hu gives us, yes, we have a bracha on Levana, but the, the idea that our Kaddish Baruch Hu gives us a structure and a wherewithal to focus based on the cycles of the moon and the nature of the Bria to understand that there's a creator, that there's an active, that there's an active involvement in our Kaddish Baruch Hu. And again, so many things about how our Kaddish Baruch Hu deals with the world. Uh, I'm sure that there's Sfarim that you can get on. The the letting God into our lives, the 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 making the world into a place where there's where there's a revelation, where there's malchus. That's kabbalas pnei That's what a person could focus on when ultimately the moon goes down to zero, and all of a sudden there's a levana, there's a renewal. When all of a sudden you didn't see anything, and now you realize that that's where that's where the moon starts up again, and it, now it's going to get bigger until until there's a full revelation. This idea, this is bainanus, is something that's a cause for it's a cause for simcha, right? Habracha al chesed The bracha is thanking our Baruch Hu, that we were able to come, that we were able to come to this Hakara. And if we only had one opportunity for this, that would be, that would be enough. So, now that we're talking about Bina, again, just to sort of come back to home base, the idea of Bina, you know, the, uh, the Balatanya, he's talking about really uh, being Davik to HaKadosh Baruch Hu through learning Torah, but he, he talks about the idea that when you have an idea, well, we'll, we'll take it a step back. We, you know, there are certain things that you know, right? And there are certain things that are na- sort of become part of your toolbox. They become part of your working personality. Yeah, we discussed that, I think, when we, in, in one of the earlier chapters over here when we talked about the, uh, the lave. The lave, it was a good chapter. Um, when a person has an idea... It's information, they relate to it, it's something external to him, and it's something that, you know, it could be a piece of information that they can use. There's a certain point where something sort of becomes part of your operating system. In other words, it becomes almost part of your personality. It's gonna, it can impact on an emotional level how you relate to certain things. It becomes, you know, a, a certain level of truth in your life, right? The, somebody just mentioned to me yesterday, you know, somebody who knew somebody was about Chuva who became from... And he said he ran into him, and it wasn't just that you know yesterday he had certain priorities, and now he had other uh, he had a different set of priorities. You know, in terms of you know what the we all have priorities. Some of them are business oriented, some of them are creativity oriented, some of them might be religious oriented. You know, it's, you know what in principle what's the fundamental difference between having a different set of goals? And he said, you know, it's interesting. I saw him. He said he's a different person than I knew. It's not. It's not that he's the, he's the same person who you know. People have different levels of maturity. Everybody matures. Everybody goes through different stages. So it's not the same person who uh, you know who I knew. There's something. Um, there's, there's some, it's just more real, more substantial. He, he, he's just he's a different person talking to me. He couldn't like really put his finger on it. So when a person comes to understand what we're talking about, that this is the world that they live in, they live in a world where Hakadosh Baruch Hu is, where Hakadosh Baruch Hu is actively involved with the world. That the the, the insignificance the uh, as an independent creation, 
right, that man has. We're no better or worse than any animal on our own, theoretically. You know, certainly the moon, the stars, when we talk about just the vastness of the entire universe, there's nothing on its own that makes a human being any better or worse. And yet we understand, okay, through the lens of, you know, a religious perspective, that a human being is the sole creation that's able to, you know, substantiate God's purpose for creating the world, that's able to change Hashem's hanhago with the world, you know, that's able to generate generate certain realities that even Malachim can't do. Malachim might be, you know, on a higher, you know, on a pure form in a certain sense, but human being has more power than a Malach. A Malach doesn't have Bechira, they can't transcend whatever, you know, whatever their spiritual nature is. And a person realizes that they act differently. They, they, they think differently. Uh, you understand that your words have significance. It's one thing to know I'm not supposed to gossip. If a person realized that their words impact the world, right? If you're about to say something and you don't make a comment and you keep your mouth shut, somebody who's in a hospital bed someplace halfway across the world might not die. I don't know. And you realize that your words go there and they, they become embedded someplace in the atmosphere and there's a power to them, you think twice. You think to, if, if you if you believe it, so so or if you once you understand it. So now he's quoting from the lesson of the Rambam. What we're going to do is be misbeinin on the the flies habayre on 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 Kodesh Baruch Hu put into the world. It could be sunrise sunset, but laila b'shmei at night maybe in the stars. If you're in New York, you don't see stars. Vizoyz kol yom pam achas b'staklas v'sim eslev rabba b'meshachs man maspik. Take one thing once a day and focus on just the vastness, the enormity, the impressiveness of one thing in the Bria. We are certain that if you do this, you will be amazed. No, that is not what he says. He says, we are certain if you see this, you will have no idea what you're looking at. You're going to be standing at the stars, like pretending that you're all astonished and amazed and like doing amazing shh, and doing amazing. And you will just be like, what in the world am I like doing? Like you're sitting there like a philosopher, like like Kevin Hobbes comic, right? My like Somebody comes over to you. What are you doing? I'm looking at the stars. Why? I don't really know. Right? Hamara ze'eno omelo klum. It's not speaking to me. No, it, it doesn't have any effect on me. Hu yinaser lasro al amilam she bevad zeh. He'll come back to this vad. Ayala psukim bi yishayas. Umarim inechim ru mi barayelah. He'll go back to the psukim. Vaid aval hadvarim nisharim yaveshim. It's going to be dry. You're going to be looking at it, and you're really not going to feel much. Expect that. That's that. That's what we're saying. Ve'ain davar. It doesn't matter. Yamshich kol yom lizbainein. If you at some point you're going to melt and it'll crack through. V'yinasa raklis rashim mashe'ino roa. Just try that. Uh, try to get an impression from what your eyes are seeing. La'at la'at yiftach libo. And little by little, your heart will ultimately open. Okay, we'll do one more.